Good morning. Good morning. Come on in and welcome to First Unitarian Church. I'm Angela Herrera, the senior minister here. I'm joined this morning by the Reverend Bob LaValle and ministerial intern Matt Pargeter Villarreal. Our service is co-led by music director Susan Peck and lay leader Judy Goring this morning. Our tech or our DJ is tech arts director Chris Paul and I give Thanks for the volunteers who round out our tech team, Sai, Erica, and Alex. It is a blessing to be together with all of you this morning. We especially welcome any new visitors today. And if this is your first or second time joining us and you feel comfortable, we invite you to put your name and location in the chat box so that we can offer a personal greeting to you today. Welcome again to all. As we begin, Judy has a couple of announcements to share. So the first one is, are you craving an opportunity to practice deep listening and sharing in a small group environment? Covenant groups are beginning in October. Signups will be online and the meetings are going to take place on Zoom with options for in-person meetings later. If you have never participated in a covenant group at First Unitarian, please plan to attend one of the info sessions, the Zoom info sessions, on Sunday, September 5th at 2 p.m. or Tuesday, September 7th at 7 p.m. You can register for those sessions on our website under connect and then covenant groups in those drop-down menus. Next, a Zoom open mic meets this afternoon at 4 p.m. Our community of musicians and poets will share covers and originals. Supportive audience members are most welcome and you can find the information for that Zoom meeting in the chat box. Let's light our chalices here and at home. Our chalice. Oh, Judy, are you able to talk now? Yeah, That's the, the host, the host had me muted. I couldn't unmute, so sorry about that. Our chalice lighting this morning. When I was a young child, I would always ask why, whether seeking knowledge or questioning my parents, their actions or request, it drove my parents nuts. I went to school and the same thing happened. Sometimes it posed a problem when I went into the Air Force. Richard Feynman stated, I would rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. We will light this chalice for the curiosity of questions. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. In his teens, the French artist Paul Gauguin attended Catholic school. One of his teachers, the Bishop of Orléans, taught an unusual catechism focused on three essential questions. Where does humanity come from? Where is it going to? And how does humanity proceed? Gauguin eventually left his Catholicism behind, but the questions remained with him and became more personal when his travels in Tahiti failed to solve his problems with health, finances, and severe depression. The Museum of Fine Arts in Boston now houses one of his most famous paintings titled, D'où venons-nous? Que sommes-nous? Où allons-nous? Or, where do we come from? What are we? Where are we going? 
Canadian composer Brian Tate set those questions to music, number 1003 in Singing the Journey. Join me in the children's affirmation. We are Unitarian Universalists. We are people of faith with open minds, loving hearts, and helping hands. As I was reflecting on what words to offer for this time of meditation, I came across these words by the Reverend Alice Anacheka Naisman that almost perfectly sums up where my thoughts are at this time. And I wanted to share them with all of you. In a world so filled with brokenness and sorrow, it would be easy to lose ourselves in never ending grief to be choked by our outrage, to be paralyzed by the enormity of suffering, 
to feel our hearts squeeze tight with hopelessness. Instead, this morning, let us simply breathe together as we hold our hearts open, breathing in as our hearts fill with compassion, breathing out as we pray for healing in our world and in our lives, breathing in opening ourselves to the transforming power of love, breathing out as we pray for peace in our world and in our lives, breathing in as we hold hope in our hearts, breathing out as we pray for justice in our world and in our lives. May we know our strength, may we be filled with courage, May our love flow from us into this world. And let us carry these words with us as we move into two minutes of silence together. Our church is a welcoming community where we find connection, a spiritual community where we find meaning. Our church is a sharing community where our joys are amplified, a caring community where our sorrows are lessened. We take this moment to reflect on our joys and sorrows and acknowledge the mutual support of our community. Please type in the chat box, first your joys and then your sorrows. If you are unable to write in the chat box, please email the church at caring at 
abq.org. And may we remember those who have spoken, those they have named, and those we hold in silence in our hearts.
creator, redeemer, sustainer, spirit of life and love who goes by many names and no name at all, we take this moment to pause, to find and listen to our breath and give thanks for bringing us through the past week into a new day and a new week that lies ahead. We lift up all of the joys and wonderful moments from the past week. We especially celebrate with Allison, Robert, and the rest of the Grady family as their son Gabe was found safe and sound and reunited with his family. We hold them in love and light as they are finally together again. We also take time to celebrate and thank Warren Hayslip for his time stepping in and serving our church as the interim director of finance and operations. And we wish him well as he transitions on to what are hopefully new experiences and new opportunities. We continue to pray for Nancy Cushman who is recovering from surgery. We also mourn with Gerilyn Bowen and her family after her sister Rennell passed away in her sleep last week. We also pray for the greater world of which we are a part. We pray for the people of Afghanistan as they go through a transition in their country and look towards the possibility of an uncertain future. We pray for the people of Haiti as they are still recovering from the effects of a devastating earthquake that has damaged much of the country. And we also look closer to home as we pray for those in the Northeast and along the East Coast, as they are cleaning up from what was left by the remnants of Tropical Storm Henri this past week. And we especially pray for the people of New Orleans and the Gulf Coast region who are in the path of Hurricane Ida, which is set to make landfall today. May all of those affected by inclement weather be safe and sheltered from the effects of the storm. We also pray for our church and our entire church community as we continue to navigate this time of transition. All these and those which remain unspoken and unnamed, we lift up to the great powers of celebration, healing and renewal known by many names. May it be so, amen and blessed be, and of course, Peace be with you. And also with you. This morning, our interlude is a song that I wrote to go with the question box sermon. I'm trying to put lyrics in the chat box as I'm talking right now, so pardon me. Uh, uh, the question box sermon has long been a favorite format of mine for a church service. It reminds me of the old radio quiz show that began with host Michael Feldman asking the audience, what do you know? And the audience shouted in unison, not much, you? So I borrowed that phrase to title a song I wrote a while back in which I muse on my way, the way my understanding of the world has morphed from the certainties of childhood to early adulthood doubts, from the overwhelming information and disinformation of the internet to a place where I can trust at least one source of reality. What do you think you know for sure? How do you know what you know? 
Here it is. Get some music up here. What do you think you know for sure? How do you know what you know? Do you know in your heart that what you know is real? What does your uncertainty show? It used to be easy. You grew up knowing your family. Your parents and your teachers and your leaders all told you the way it works, the way things go. And you study in school and you play the game. And the winners are golden and the losers are lame. Everything makes perfect sense in the world you know. What do you think you know for sure? How do you know what you know? Do you know in your heart that what you know is real? What does your uncertainty show? Then it gets queasy, you start by reading a book or two. The authors and the artists and the gurus all tell you there are other lives, there are other views. And you travel abroad and you open your mind and the people are crazy and gorgeous and kind. Nothing makes sense in the world you thought you knew. What do you think you know for sure? How do you know what you know? Do you know in your heart that what you know is real? What does your uncertainty show? And now it's just dicey, you go and Google your every need. The bloggers and the pundits and the hackers all tell you the way it's framed, the way things spin. You follow the ones who tweet what you think, they lead you right over the cyber brink. They weave a web of sense that you can live in. What do you think you know for sure? How do you know what you know? Do you know in your heart that what you know is real? What does your uncertainty show? It's making you dizzy, so you start by taking a breath or two. Your muscles and your innards and your heartbeat all tell you what makes you well, what makes you whole. And you quiet your mind and you listen inside. Truth comes down that you cannot hide. You sense the way that you feel might heal your soul. What do you think you know for sure? How do you know what you know? You know in your heart that what you feel is And what you feel is real You know in your heart that what you feel is real You know in your heart that what you feel is wonderful song by our own Susan Peck. So timely. Yes, zoom applause for that one. Well, the act of questioning or wondering is a sacred practice in Unitarian Universalism. It's reflected in the principles that we affirm and promote, especially the fourth principle, which is the free and responsible search for truth and meaning. But as I like to say, all religion began with a question. 
humankind's first ancestors started looking around and asking, what does this mean? So once in a while, we make questions the center of a Sunday service. We have been receiving your very fine questions throughout the month. And instead of a regular sermon for today's question box sermon, Matt is going to read some of them out loud and Bob and I will speak off the cuff sharing some of our thoughts about them as your ministers. I was going to say, are you ready, Matt? But I, I see it right there. <laughs> I, I feel like you should have a bow tie to go with the whole quiz master mentality yes. um, that I'm doing this morning. But yes, I am ready. All right, so, go for it. Question number one. Why do we call our Sunday service a worship service? Who or what are we worshiping? Such a good question. And Great not a My first take on this is that this language is a vestige of our Christian roots. So Unitarian Universalism uh, is a combination of uh, a movement that came from Europe and rose out of the Puritans, as well as the uh, American-based Universalist tradition. So we're undeniably Christian in our roots, and so a lot of our language reflects that. And maybe it's outdated and we need to think about another name. I think that that's part of the story. Um, and there's another part of it, which is that the word worship comes from the old English word uh, worship. And so what when we talk about worship, we are talking about um, paying attention to that which is most worthy, to that to which we ascribe the most worth. And so our worship is worship and we are grounding ourselves in what is worthy i love that and i do think there's elements of of worship uh regardless of what it is that we're individually choosing to worship you know I, our community is uh, you know worth worshiping and a lot word is really loaded but i think it's worth <laughs> considering sacred mm. how do we mm -hmm. treat sacred things All right, what's next, Matt? Next question. How do you react to the feeling that you're being punished by something greater than you? Are there religious texts, beliefs, or studies that talk about this? Mm, how do you react to the feeling that you're being punished by something greater than you? After I shake my fist at the heavens? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well... I'll take the first stab at this one, Bob. Um, you know, for me, uh, Buddhism has been an important part of my formation as a Unitarian Universalist. And, and that's a way Unitarian Universalists can grow in, in our tradition. We, we look for wisdom, um, not only in our Protestant roots, but around the world in religious and philosophical traditions and in science and the arts. And so <clears throat> for me, um, you know, Buddhism's teachings about impermanence, <clears throat> And um, all of us being part of a, a one whole reminds me that it's not really about me and that loss and change are some, which are usually the things that feel punishing. Usually they get down, you know, to the root of some sort of a loss or change for us. Um, they're not really about me and that they're, they're just part of um, being. They're part of being part of this ever-changing universe. Um, and that helps to depersonalize it. I want to say, for, first of all, for the person who asked this question, I suspect this is a question rooted in your own pain. And uh, I want to say I'm sorry. And 
our, you know, our care team and the ministers are here for you if you want to talk more about that. Um, I think the idea of forces beyond our control, you know, things bigger than us, bigger than us is really a way of saying there are things we cannot control. Again, getting back to what Angela was saying in Buddhism, that, that there are, we are just caught up in things that are, are bigger than us. And I do believe in luck, in randomness, uh, that sometimes we have good luck and sometimes we have bad luck and a string of bad things happening to us can feel like a design. Uh, and I don't, you know, I don't believe it is. And I'd love that the Buddhist teaching of impermanence that these things do pass. So some losses don't pass, but the feelings around them evolve. And I wish that for you. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. All right. <clears throat> Next question. What would we say to our trans siblings, perhaps new to you, you, who are struggling with remnants of embedded theology that says humans are created in the image of God and God does not make mistakes? Hmm. Can I go first on this one, Angela? Sure. Hey, um, well, the, the congregation I served before I came here to Albuquerque was in Salt Lake City, which is a dominant Mormon Latter-day Saints culture. Uh, and I'd say about half that congregation uh, was coming out of, were, were former Mormons, and, and they brought a significant amount of religious trauma with them. Because those messages that we get in a religious setting, especially when we're children, are really, really powerful and hard to unglue. Uh, and so for folks who are struggling with that in our congregation, I, I totally understand how bad those feelings can feel. Um, and, you know, the, uh, you know, I guess I would call this an adult child issue in a way, you know, like we all are carrying things that uh, we messages we got as children that we wish we could get rid of. And the best way out is through. And I, I'm glad that whoever asked this question has found their way to Unitarian Universalism where their being, their worth is ex explicitly affirmed. Angela, do you wanna comment? Yeah, this question reminds me of something uh, really beautiful I read by a trans writer. It was in the Christian Century Magazine a few years ago, I think. And the writer was looking back at the creation stories in Genesis. Uh, by the way, there are two of them in Genesis, if you go back and read. So uh, first of all, the Bible is all over the place about what happened and what God is like, a million metaphors. Uh, so it's complicated to say that we're made in the image of God. But this writer also you know, looked at the creation story and read between the lines, which is a really important way of reading sacred texts. And noticed that God made not only uh, the day and the night, but the sunrise and the sunset, and not only the water and the land, but the marshes and the beaches and the tributaries. And so everything in between. And I just thought that was a beautiful way of drawing out the in-betweenness of all of creation, um, the both andness of all of creation. And I think that's also a beautiful way we can think about the relationship between the holy and our transgender siblings. I love that. So this is a multi-part question. Um, the first part is Unitarian implies one God. Universalist implies that God will allow everyone to be saved. 
how and from what as a denominational side issue. And many most first UU services refer to the God, Spirit, whatever known by many names. So, in this congregation or denomination, is there a welcome place for a fairly skeptical agnostic? The second part of the question is the name Unitarian Universalist seems to better reflect our roots and heritage rather than who we are or aspire to be today. If we were not called UUs, what would be a good name for who we are now? Feel free to dive into any and all of that question. I I had not seen this question when I preached on doubt. Uh, that last week? I think that was just last week or the week before. Um, and I hope that sermon helped to uh, help to convey that there certainly is a welcoming place for skeptics and agnostics in Unitarian Universalism. In fact, I think a hefty proportion of UUs would identify as just that. Um, and even in my most um, personally clear spiritual moments, I myself feel like an agnostic on many levels. So welcome to the fold, friend, whoever wrote this question. We're glad you're here. I, I also love, um, uh, you know, the thinking about it in terms of who's the God we don't believe in, mm-hmm. um, you know, because we know, like for me, these images of um, a, a male patriarchal God who intervenes individually and helps us win football games, that is certainly not what, you know, what I consider to be the holy when I have encountered the holy. But so that's a that's a, a starting point for thinking about that. But yeah, you are welcome here. And as far as Unitarian Universalism as a name, yeah, if you were going to market a religion, you would not choose an 11-syllable name as the, you know, like, it makes it really hard to make a bumper sticker. <laughs> but, uh, and I I actually think about this all the time. Um, uh, there is that UU church that recently formed that is not using the words UU in their title. And I, I can't remember the, I wish I could remember what it was, but, you know, um, we are a place of community and consolation, a place for where people are coming for deep, re- deep reflection and service and love and yeah, the service and love church or the, you know, uh, would be, I don't know. It would be cool. I actually in, in, to make a plane where I became uh, where I was, which is where I became a Unitarian Universalist, that was actually called the First Society of Jamaica Plain, which is a really weird name. <laughs> and that was also like a 300-year-old church. I always think UUs are, you know, our shorthand UUs. It sounds like a Dr. Seuss character or, you know, the UUs. <laughs> um, this question kind of reminded me of a, a funny story about when um, the there's a, a social justice um campaign called uh, Side with Love um, that has yellow shirts that go with it. And many of you I know have yellow shirts and wear them to um, marches and demonstrations and that kind of thing. Well, when that was pretty new um, and it was one of the first times a whole bunch of Unitarian Universalists had shown up with yellow shirts, um, there was a lot of media there and somebody came up and asked 
the reporter, where they like to talk to the leader of the yellow shirts. And that was the president of our denomination at the time, who, who then gave a, you know, an interview as the leader of the yellow shirt people. Um, but, you know, I love the idea that those all had the word love on them. And I, I agree, something with the word love in it would suit us well. Love as a verb. You're both wearing yellow today, so I'm liking the yellow shirt faction or the yellow faction <laughs> as a possible name. Um, as we continue in the pandemic and our contact with others is limited, I find it more difficult to maintain a compassionate heart. How do we stay open to others when we remain physically distant from them? One of my favorite ways to do that is to pray for people, honestly. And, you know, if prayer is not a category of spiritual practice that personally resonates with you, the loving kindness or metta meditation does the same work uh, just as well, where we, um, we pray or we meditate on the words, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you live with ease for ourselves, someone close to us, someone we don't know as well, someone we are challenged by and then the world. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I also appreciate uh, that the question, the person asking the question is watching that their compassion is ebbing and that simple act of paying attention to that makes such a huge difference. And I suspect that, you know, by focusing on it, you'll, um, it may come back for you. But I also like the simple, there's some simple spiritual practices. The act of sending a piece of mail a postcard or a letter is, you know, the impact that has is enormous and it's such a small thing. I think, and I think they can be really, really connecting and compassion growing. Random acts of kindness. Random acts of kindness. Indeed. This question is fun. How is Zoom changing us? <laughs> Besides changing our vision prescriptions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good for chiropractors too, because we're spending so much time in chairs. Um, it is, you know, my own experience of worship is it's really weird to preach to a green dot on my MacBook. And um, I have to find, we, we as, as um, a worship team have worked really hard to figure out other ways to create engagement. And, uh, um, you know, as you know, as a service now, you know, the, the chat is an active part of the worship, which is you can't do when there's 300 people in a room when we're doing this in person. So we've been, you know, and having people like chalices at home, that kind of thing. So trying to figure out other modalities that keep people connected has been useful. But I think I will say, I think we're all a lot more distracted. How many people are looking at something else besides this worship service right now on their computer? I'm back. Our, our, yeah, right, right. Put your phone down. But our computer, I mean, our, our devices are built for distraction very intentionally by the smart people who built them. And so I, the more time we spend on them, the more distracted. And I do find I'm like having some softening in my cognitive functioning because of that. So I hope that's not a change that that sticks around. That's for sure. What do you think, Angela? Well, I I think, you know, this time using Zoom so much has um, expanded my sense of how to connect and my belief that we can do it with ease, even when it's not the way that we are habituated to. 
So I, you know, I think our brains are so malleable and resilient and fascinating that um, I feel like we'll take a lot of good away from this time and hopefully our attention spans will uh, expand <laughs> as our options for gathering do too. Do you think, Angela, that it's made us value the in-person contact more? Oh my gosh, it's made me really value it. Yeah, how about you? Yeah, I, I, I'm so much, I just find the company of people so much more precious now mm-hmm. in a way that I really took for granted before. It's embarrassing how much I took it for granted. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping it makes us a more connected and maybe simpler people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Final question. You have made it to the end. What questions professionally and personally are you holding just now? We've got it all figured out, don't we, Bob? Yeah, we have questions. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I'll be really frank. There's a lot of things as we move into this new time of, of trying to, as, as we think about um, doing an in-person, adding an in-person service and how to navigate that with the Delta variant. Uh, I, I feel at sea a lot. I just feel like I don't know. I, you know. No one has a roadmap for this. And the sense of not knowing is really, really hard. So I have other questions, but I want to let Angela. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, for many years now, the there's been a lot of talk in um, like religious studies and church studies about the need for church to change, like that the old model from the 1900s is not the model for the um, 21st century. And that included a lot of critiques of worship, you know, the way we, well, the way we do services, um, how membership works, all that stuff. And during all that time, First Unitarian Church was just thriving along, just rolling along, growing, uh, doing so many exciting things. And I wondered about the connection between those big concerns out there and our own congregation. And I feel, I can see that the pandemic has pushed us into a new era where we also are called to adapt and to, um, to really look more deeply at um, inclusion, at what it means to keep the doors open and to open them even wider. Um, questions about how to stay connected uh, when we're not all in the same place at the same time, uh, which, you know, of course we've never had been. We've always had two worship services, but there's a tenderness to this moment as we look at um, reopening knowing that not everybody is able or ready to come onto the campus in person. So questions about connection, about solidarity, about compassion for one another. Um, and I think, you know, those same values that help us respond to those questions are also gonna help us just in general, navigate this time of uncertainty, which I feel deeply too, Bob. Like, how do we make decisions in an ever-changing context? And and that's where we're at right now. But I also take some comfort in remembering that we have we've actually been preparing for this for years with all of our Sunday services and spiritual practices around change, around loving kindness, compassion, awareness, connection. We, as a congregation, have been preparing the whole time for a time such as this. And I really have faith in our path. And the amazing service that this congregation does too has prepared us. You know, was, we've been doing mutual aid all along without using that term. In fact, just learned last night from Connie Malecki that during the pandemic, uh, 
11 folks have, with the help of our citizenship, Path to Citizenship Group, 11 folks have become citizens because of the work of this congregation. So um, I think personally and professionally, because like when, when you're a minister, these things are really mixed up all the time. But I'm thinking a lot, you know, the last seven years have been a great revealing, um, maybe not to folks who have been in the, the, the in the front lines of this, but we, my understanding of what this country is and what this country can do has changed a lot over the last seven years. And um, what I can reasonably expect this country to do to meet the, uh, to meet the challenges of climate change, certainly the pandemic, um, all the, you know, anti-racism, all the things we, uh, my expectations are lower now because I've just, I just come to believe that we, our systems are so broken. And you heard me preach on this a while back. And that raises this big question, both personally and professionally about our, so in light of the limitations that I think we have to real, realistically accept, how do we live lives uh, that still have meaning? How do we still continue to work for the common good? How do we continue to maintain our own dignity and the dignity of other people uh, in this new, less optimistic lens? Uh, and I do not have the answer to that one yet. A lot of questions remain unanswered. And we also have a few more that have been turned in for today that we aren't able to get to because of time. But one of the things I love about this service is the way the questions we receive for today impact or shape future messages that we work on. So we look forward to delving more deeply into these and into the ones we didn't get to yet. Thank you for all your good thinking. The quality of the questions says so much about the nature of this congregation and how deeply people engage. And I'm grateful for that. The words for our offering this morning is called The River of Community by John Saxton. A religious community is like a river formed from the many streams of our lives that meet and merge and flow to the sea. As members and friends of this religious community, we share our time and energy, our creativity, imagination, and vision, our talents, skills, and gifts, and the streams of our individual lives to create a river that is both deep and broad, a river that is made up of many streams, sustains life, and refreshes the land through which it flows. But the river of this community also depends on our shared financial support that makes real our shared values and vision. In a moment, we'll receive the offering. The Brain Injury Alliance of New Mexico is our Change for the Future recipient for the months of June, July, and August. The Brain Injury Alliance of New Mexico provides information, referral, support, and advocacy for people in New Mexico with brain injuries. You can make an offering online by clicking on the link that we'll put in the chat box. And if you prefer not to give online, you can simply mail a check to the church and include change for the future on the memo line. Now, let us exercise together the enduring power of generosity.
Hoy acepto seguirte Dejar viejas certezas atrás Arriesgar mis verdades Abrazar la inquietud Ir más allá Tus brazos extendidos Marcan el horizonte al final Encuentro tu mirada, escapo del temor que me ancla en mi barca. Pero dudo y espero que el viento sople menos, que el sol alumbre Let's pause and let that music ring in our souls for a moment. Whew. What is generously given is received 
with gratitude. Thank you on behalf of First Church of Unitar First Unitarian Church of of Albuquerque. I'm rattled by that song. It was so beautiful. And thank you on behalf of the Brain Injury Alliance of New Mexico. We're approaching the end of our service. If you'd like to stay for coffee hour, just stay all the way through the credits and you'll be invited into a breakout room. And whether you come or not, here's a discussion question for you to think about today if you want. Did any of today's questions resonate for you or surprise you? Did any questions resonate for you or surprise you? Now let's extinguish our candles and chalices together with these words. This is the day we have been given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us live wisely, love courageously, surge valentia, and bless all whom we are blessed to meet. Go in peace.